The Feminist Press is a partner of Fierce Women Writing. Founded in 1970 and celebrating their 50th anniversary, The Feminist Press seeks to create a world where everyone recognizes themselves in a book. A nonprofit and independent publisher, they support storytelling that ignites movements and inspires social transformation. The Feminist Press lifts up insurgent and marginalized voices from around the world to build a more just future. Learn more about their books at feministpress.org. Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, a podcast where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. I believe that stories can enlighten, heal, and entertain the reader and the writer. First, the writer has to quiet their doubts long enough to get the words on the page. I'm here to help you put your doubts away and focus on your creativity. Every day I talk to writers and would-be writers who aren't writing. They're not writing because they don't think they're good enough, because they've been rejected, don't have time, or don't know where to start. That's why I created this show, so that you can hear from other writers who want to inspire you to share the stories that only you can tell. I'm Sarah Gallagher. Come write with me. Hey there, Fierce Writers. Today's guest is Trina Green-Brown. Trina Green-Brown is an activist and mother of two. She's also an author of Parenting for Liberation, a guide for raising Black children. In 2017, she was named Black Feminist Rising by Black Women's Blueprint and an inspirational parent in 2018 by Cadre. She's the creator of Parenting for Liberation, an organization that connects, inspires, and uplifts Black parents through podcasts, healing circles, and community building. Welcome to the show, Trina. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Excited to be here. Trina, what are the ideal conditions for you to write? So when I'm writing, I definitely need a good soundtrack. I know some writers don't like to write with music. It might be distracting. But for me, the music sets the mood. So some meditative music or motivational music. Um, I like to set a good vibe in the space where I'm writing. So that could be good lighting, light some candles, um, set some intentions. I like to do my grounding practices, whether that be connecting with my ancestors on my altar, reciting a mantra that I do around um, trusting my knowing and sharing my knowings with the world. And sometimes I pull a card to see what the intention is for that writing in that moment. So it's a lot of grounding and connecting to myself, my ancestors, my purpose as I enter into the writing process. Why do you write I spend so much time in my head. My ideas and thoughts are always swirling around. Um, And so writing has been a place for me to get clarity, to slow my mind. Um, I use writing to reflect. um, And I also write because it brings me back to myself, you know, my own inner thoughts, my own knowing. And on a political kind of front, I write because we need more diverse voices, particularly in the parenting realm. I write so that my children can see themselves and hear our stories reflected on the page. And I specifically wrote this book because I couldn't find a lot of tools and resources for parenting um, from a Black or African-American perspective. What are your best writing tips? When I think about like, it's connected to the like, why do I write? It's the knowing why you're writing, the why of it all, like having your purpose is really important for me as a writer to inform what I want to say, right? I hearken back to, I believe it's Toni Morrison who said, there's a book that you want to read that hasn't been written, so you should write it. 
so my tip would be for those like me who don't necessarily consider themselves a writer, um, my recommendation would be to always remember why your why. Why are you writing this piece? And it could be a piece that's a note or a letter or an article or a poem or a memoir. Just always remember why you're writing. Secondly, remember that your voice matters and it needs to be heard. We need more voices, particularly of, of women and women of color. We need your voices. So write because we need to hear you and your voice matters. For me, it's been helpful to have like my squad, like the people that I can go to that remind me of my purpose or remind me that my voice matters when I forget myself or when my doubt creeps in. So it's important to have like a cheerleader or your team of folks to pump you up. So identify those folks and let them know when you're writing. So if I'm writing today, I might say, shoot a text message and be like, hey, I'm writing today. I need some love and affirmation. And then lastly, I would say, give yourself space to ideate. So oftentimes people think that writing starts on the paper or starts on the laptop, but writing starts sometimes in the shower or or have the writing starts when you're in your bed at night and you can't go to sleep and those ideas are just warming. Writing happens in my dreams. Writing happens when I'm stuck in traffic. <laughs> so some of the greatest inspirations for ideas for me for writing come from my real world experiences. So make sure you have your, your little notepad on your nightstand or grab your cell phone and, and do a voice note to, to capture those ideas. And for me, those have been helpful for me as I've been trying to create a practice of writing. What are your suggestions for someone trying to overcome a block? Ooh, that's good. When I was writing this book, I, w- I would get blocks and, and I would say, walk away from it, put it down, go live a little, go have an experience that might conjure up what the next thought is. Um, for me, I was writing a book about parenting. So I would go play with my kids or if, if I was stuck on a particular topic or strategy related to something, I would ask my kids what they thought um, and they would conjure up new ideas. And sometimes it's just like getting to the getting again, getting to the why of it. So explore what caused the block. Like, was it the topic? Was it the point that I was trying to make that that I felt like I didn't have enough clarity on? Explore that piece of it, because sometimes blockages actually could be the information that you need to be writing about as opposed to what you think you're writing about. It's like, oh, actually teasing, teasing it back and peeling back those layers to understand what was causing the block might actually be the nugget that you need to be sharing with the world. What about editing and revising tips? So editing, you must really trust your editor and know and believe that they have your best interests at heart. Um, I was blessed to have an editor that is extremely committed to the topic and committed to the community and committed to my vision so I could trust when I would get those edits or those lines or those questions or comments in the doc. What was helpful for me, too, as I was trying to edit before, you know, going to the editor, editing my own piece down was to actually listen to my writing so you could read it out loud to yourself or or I used to use um, just the talk back technology on a, on a laptop or even having someone that you trust with your work to read it back to you. Because sometimes hearing your words help you to identify where you want to make edits and make um, changes to your work. Can you estimate your submission to publication ratio? In terms of writing, not necessarily books, but writing online or submitting to different publications. My submission to publication ratio would probably be, I would probably say submission 10 and publication three. And with this book, again, I said, it's about those connections with folks. And so I really feel honored to have had a relationship with the publisher 
so that the submission felt like a, a mutual relationship that we both were committed to it. Um, and there was interest in it. And that was a pretty smooth uh, relationship and negotiation around bringing this book to, to life. So that one was a one-to-one on book submission and publication. That's incredible. From the other ones, it's not, not so not so successful in terms of uh, those online and different um, journal publications. Who are some other women writers we should be reading right now? So I have some current and also some some foremothers who I would recommend right now in this moment of COVID. I would recommend Octavia Butler, who is an Afrofuturistic writer who has already written about this time before this time. So I really, really love her work. Audrey Lorde has really been a foremother in thinking about Black feminist thought. And then some current writers, Danny McLean released a book last year called We Live for the We, The Political Power of Black Motherhood, which is really good. And then the writers of Revolutionary Mothering, Alexis Pauling Gums, Maya Williams, China Martin, have really been influential and inspiring for me as I wrote this book around parenting. And where can listeners find you online? Yeah, so um, parentingforliberation.org is the organizational website. We also have a podcast, so that's available on iTunes, Spotify, and also Anchor FM. And we're on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm going to ask you an extra question that's not on my general list right now. Could you talk a little bit about writing as activism? So writing as activism, I really look to, again, my my fellow activists in the movement who have been writing. And so another writer I would name on my list is Adrienne Marie Brown, who's written um, two books that have really moved me, Emergent Strategy and also Pleasure Activism. And in her latest book, Pleasure Activism, she quotes Tony Cade Bambara, um, who says that the purpose of a writer is to make revolution irresistible. And so when I think about writing as activism, the purpose of writing is for us to envision and to dream up and put it on paper what the world should look like, what the world should be. And so when we make the revolution and put it on paper, it should be irresistible that anyone that's in opposition to it is so drawn to it that they want to be committed to the revolution as well. And I think that writing has the ability to to create the world that we want in words, just like the film industry or other industries where it's about creative expression. How do we use that creativity to shape the world that we want to live in? Trina, would you read some of your work for us now? I would be honored to. So I'm actually going to read from the introduction of Parent to Liberation, A Guide for Raising Black Children. In 2014, when my son was five years old, it seemed like every time I watched the news, I saw another black person being murdered or impacted by state violence. It wasn't only adult men and women, but young black children's lives that were and still are being taken by those sworn to protect and serve. The recurring images of black bodies left in the streets after being shot by police, such as Michael Brown, an 18-year-old gunned down in Ferguson, Missouri, in the summer of 2014, whose lifeless body lay in the street for four hours. Coupled with the historical legacy of black bodies after lynchings, hanging, compounded my fears as a black parent. Trayvon Martin, Jordan Davis, Ayanna Stanley Jones, and Tamir Rice are contemporary Emmett Tills, and I became worried that I would become a modern-day Mrs. Till Mobley. 
a mother turned activist after her 14-year-old son, Emmett Till, was murdered in the summer of 1955 in Mississippi when Carolyn Bryant Dunham falsely accused him of whistling at her. Mrs. Till is a foremother to the many modern-day mothers of the movements, all of whom are compelled by grief to share their children's death publicly with the world. It is a club that many Black mothers are fearful that we will be forced to join, crying over the bodies of our African-American children. This fear is a trauma response, and it encourages Black parents, including me, and maybe even you, to engage in parenting practices that are detrimental to Black children, all in the name of protecting them and us. These behaviors are rooted in what Dr. Joy DeGruy coined as post-traumatic slave syndrome, wherein African-Americans adapted their behavior over centuries in order to survive the stifling effects of chattel slavery, effects which are still evident today, in large part related to transgenerational adaptations associated with the past traumas of slavery and ongoing oppression. Dr. DeGruy gives us an example of the survival strategies employed by enslaved mothers, such as being hypervigilant about the whereabouts of their children because it was unsafe for Black children to stray for fear of severe punishment. Does this sound familiar to you? This dynamic has definitely been at play in my parenting practice, and it took deep self-reflection and a lot of reading to begin to unpack it. Thank you for sharing your writing and wisdom with us today, Trina. It's been a pleasure. Now it's time for our writing prompt. I suggest setting a timer for six or eight minutes, putting Trina's prompt at the top of your page, and free writing whatever comes to mind. Remember, the important part is keeping your pen moving. You can always edit later. Right now, we just want to write something new and see what happens. How are you practicing liberation in your home? Okay, wasn't that great when Trina Green-Brown said that when she's writing, she texts her squad so they can pump her up and remind her that her voice matters and give her support when she's doubting herself? I love that advice. Trina and I recorded this interview six weeks ago, and while writing as activism is a topic I frequently discuss with authors in regular conversation, when I was talking to Trina, I was inspired to ask her about it while the tape was rolling. And now, It feels like getting her input on the topic and the fact that her book on Black parenting was released last week is good timing. So check out Parenting for Liberation, which speaks directly to parents raising Black children in a world of racial violence and encourages readers to imagine methods of parenting rooted in liberation rather than fear. I love doing these interviews and getting to share the inner workings of these writers with you. If the episodes are helping your writing practice, please consider becoming a supporter of the show on my website. For as little as $2 a month, you can ensure that the show continues. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and this is Fierce Woman Writing. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then, keep writing. Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at FierceWomenWriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at FierceWomenWriting. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening.